आंजनेय विमे वायुपुत्रय धीमहे धियो यो न प्रचोदयाद शूराय नम चैप्टर टेन प्रणवदेवा द किलिंग वाली हनुमान विस्पर टू लक्ष्मण द सुग्रीवा हर टोल दम दिस स्टोरी ओनली बिकॉज ही डाउटेड रामाज एबिलिटी टू किल हिम ही डिड नॉट डेयर टू आस्क हिम फॉर अ शो स्ट्रेंथ बट ही वुड बी हैप्पी इफ रामा शोड सम ऑफ हिस प्रायस लक्ष्मण टोल रामा ऑफ सुग्रीवाज पेयर्स रामा लाफिंगली वेंट अप टू द नॉर्मल स्केलेटन ऑफ द डीमन दुंदुबी lifted up with his toe and flung it to a distance of about 80 miles sugriva was a little appeased by this feat but he still spoke doubtfully this carcass is filled with blood and flesh and 10 times as heavy as it is now when wali lifted it and flung it here now it's only a bare skeleton i wonder if i could ask you to perform one more feat and thus assure me of your might wali's arrow could pierce us Sal tree with a huge circumference without any difficulty here are seven sal trees growing in a row if you can pierce one of them and split it into two my fears would be laid to rest once and for all rama smiled and without a word he fitted his arrow to his mighty bow rama smiled and without a word he fitted his arrow to his mighty bow no Rama smiled and without a word he fitted his arrow to his mighty bow known as the Kordanda the arrow was gloat-painted thicker than a finger half as long as a staff marked with his name decorated with the feathers of the fastest birds and tipped with iron the sal trees were as thick as th- turrets the arrow flew from the bow and split not one tree but all seven trees and then pierced the earth on the other side It is said to have gone to the subterranean world and then returned to its own quiver. Sugriva couldn't believe his eyes. He felt most ashamed at having tested Rama's powers like this. He prostrated himself at his feet and begged his pardon for having doubted him. Standing with folded palms before Rama, Sugriva said, "I am now fully convinced that you can kill even Indra, the king of the gods, if you so choose. So why not his son Vali?" Let us proceed straight away to Kishkinda and you can meet him face to face. They went through forests and mountains, fragrant with sandalwood and came to a grove of most beautiful trees from which arose a fragrance of oblations being offered into the fire. Rama asked Sugriva what that grove was and to whom it belonged. Sugriva said, "This hermitage belonged to seven sages known as Saptajanas. They used to practice severe penance here for many years." They slept on water and subsisted on air alone. They never stepped out beyond this grove. When the time came for them to depart from this world, they were given bodily liberation. However, this grove is still sacrosanct. None dare enter it. One can hear music and ethereal voices singing from within. The perfume rising from sacred wood fires lighted during yatnas long ago permeates the air as you can see. Let us all bow from here to these glorious sages and obtain their blessings before proceeding. All of them bowed low in front of the holy place and then walked on. When they reached the outskirts of Kishkinda, Rama and the others concealed themselves behind the trees of the thick forest that surrounded Kishkinda. Rama now chose Sugriva to go forward alone and challenge Vali for a duel. 
I will stand aside unseen and shoot my arrow into him at the right moment. In light of the fact that Sugriya had told him about Vali being able to take over half the strength of his opponent, Rama decided to shoot him from behind a tree. Another reason given for the strange act was that Rama feared if he confronted Vali, he might refuse to fight with him since he had no quarrel with Rama and then he would not be able to keep his pledge to his friend Sugriva. So Rama told Sugriva to go and challenge his brother and he and Lakshmana would follow close behind him. Sugriva mentally prepared himself and boldly went to the gates of Kishkinda, bellowed loudly and challenged his brother to a duel. Enraged at hearing his brother's roars, while he got up with such a force that the base of the cave sank and his eyes spat fire. Grinding his teeth in anger, he slapped his thigh and clapped his hands so that the sound echoed through the valleys. He charged out with such speed that the ornaments round his neck snapped and scattered their gems all around. Vali came out of the cave, looking like the morning sun rising over the horizon. He grabbed Sugriva, who was certainly no match for him, and bashed him to a pulp. With great difficulty, Sugriva managed to extricate himself from Vali's iron grip and take to his heels. He ran all the way back to Rishabuka before Vali could finish him off. In the meantime, Rama had been keenly watching the fight and found to his dismay that he couldn't distinguish between the two brothers who looked like two peas in a pod. Fearing to discharge his arrow in case he killed Sugriva instead of Vali, he desisted. He followed Sugriva, who was in a very poor state. Sugriva could hardly speak, yet he whispered, If you didn't want to kill my brother, why did you not refuse at the very outset, instead of letting me get battered like this? Fully believing your word, I challenge him and see what has happened. Rama tried to pacify him. My dear friend, he said, how can you think that I have betrayed, betrayed you? Your brother and you resemble each other in stature, costume and embellishments. Even your roars sound similar. Both of you were clasped in each other's arms, trying to strangle each other. How could I shoot my deadly arrow when I knew that I might kill you instead of him? Please do return to Kishkinda and challenge him once again. But this time you must wear a garland by which I will be able to distinguish you. He told Lakshmana to take a liana from the mountainside, which was covered with flowers and looked like a beautiful garland, and put it round Sugriva's neck. Battered and bleeding though he was, Sugriva licked his wounds and proceeded towards Kishkinda, followed by Rama, Lakshmana, Hanuman and a few of his other friends. Rama urged Sugriva to go and challenge Valley fearlessly once again, as now he was sure that his arrow would find its mark. Sugriva went and roared outside the gates. Vali was in his seraglio, lolling about with his wife when he heard the roar. He couldn't believe his ears. His amorous mood gave way to one of violent loathing. How could Sugriva, whom he had just reduced to pulp a few hours ago, dare to come and challenge him again? He was filled with a blind rage. He was determined to finish off his brother once and for all. He had been a real thorn in his side for a long time, and once he was dead, he could enjoy the company of his wife, Rumi, without feeling any guilt. He was well aware of his crime in consorting with his younger brother's wife while her husband was still alive. He had somehow stifled his conscience, for he was infatuated with Rumi, even though his own wife Tara was very beautiful and very wise. With Sugriva out of the way, he could have Rumi without any pangs of shame, for the law allowed a man to marry a deceased brother's wife in order to protect her. Thinking thus, Wali gave a big bellow of disgust and rage and rushed out. The intelligent Tara stopped him as he was going 
and gave him some sage counsel. My lord, she said, this brother of yours was beaten by you and ran off with his life just a short while ago. How is he emboldened to return and roar like this without the assurance of help by some powerful ally? The crown prince Angada, your son, gave me the following report. He said that two young and expert warriors, known as Rama and Lakshmana, the sons of the emperor Dasharatha, have entered this forest and formed an alliance with Sugriva. I am sure Sugriva has been emboldened by their protection, or else he would never have dared to accost you like this. Please don't go now. Tell him to return tomorrow morning, and then you can feed. Tell him to return tomorrow morning, and then you can fight with him if it pleases you. Better still, you can make friends with him and allow him to return to the court. Be kind to him. Return his wife to him. She is very unhappy here. Somehow my heart sinks within me, and I see only bad omens. I beg of you not to go now. Pali's time had come, and he just would not listen to reason. Moreover, he was anxious to appropriate Rumi all for himself. Brushing off Tara's detaining hand, he ordered her to return to the other women. She placed Indra's golden garland round his neck and embraced him sadly, for she had a premonition that she would never see him alive again. Vali brushed aside and rushed out. He glared angrily at Sugriva and charged at him like an infuriated bull. They started to grapple in deadly earnest. Sugriva's strength was flagging, and he looked around desperately for Rama, wondering why he was not coming to his aid. Vali lifted him above his head in order to dash him on a rock and thus end his career. The golden necklace was shining round Vali's neck. Rama had no trouble in recognizing him. He saw Sugriva's agonized look. He stretched his powerful arrow on his bow and let fly with a tremendous twang. It found its mark on Valley's breast and felled him as easily as it fell the sal trees. The full moon shone with all its splendor and lighted up the huge fallen body of Vali, which was now bleeding and weak. Vali had never thought even for a moment that there was any weapon or power on earth or heaven that would conquer him in a fight. He was invulnerable according to the promise of the gods, yet here he was laid low on the bare ground of his own kingdom with just one arrow. He was actually really anxious to know who this exceptional warrior was who was able to kill him with one arrow. His name must be on the arrow. With his last remaining strength, he pulled the arrow out of his chest Blood gushed out of his heart like a spring that had been damp for a long time. Everything was blurring before his dying eyes, and he had to hold the arrow close to his eyes before he could spell the name Rama on it. For a moment, gratitude filled his heart. All creatures had to die at one time or other, and far better for him to die at the hands of Rama, who was thought to be an avatar of Vishnu, than by the weapon of a Rakshasa, Asura, or wild animal. This feeling was swiftly replaced by anger the way he had been killed. He looked up feebly as Rama and Lakshmana approached him. Summoning his waning strength, he upbraided Rama for his act. You are supposed to be the scion of the line of Ikshvaku and noted for your adherence to Dharma. How could you have killed me from behind a tree when I was fighting with my brother? When Sugriva challenged me for the second time, my wife Tara warned me not to go, for she feared that he was being helped by you 
but I told her that I had no fear of you, since I knew you would not stoop to any type of unrighteous act. What have I done that you should have killed me from behind? I hear you are looking for your wife. I could have killed that wretch Ravana and brought her back to you single-handed. I have already defeated him once and spared his life, but this time I would not have done so. Why did you have to allow yourself this worthless griever? Bali had exhausted himself by this speech, and he fell back gasping for breath. Rama waited patiently for Bali to have his say, for he knew that on the face of it, he had every right to liberate him. At last, when Bali had stopped, he spoke to him with compassion in his eye. O oh, Bali, how dare you speak to me about dharma and adharma, when you are living a life steeped in sin. Your younger brother, who is full of good qualities and loves you very much, should have been treated by you as a son. Without giving him a chance to clear his name, you beat him up and banished him to Rishyabuka in order to keep his wife. According to the law of this land, anyone who is guilty of sleeping with his brother's wife when he is still alive is punishable by death. You have continued your enmity with your brother only to fan your own lust. Sugriva is as dear to me as my brother Lakshmana. I have sworn friendship with him and pub publicly made a pact to kill you and restore his kingdom and his wife. What sort of a friend would I be if I did not keep my promise? Vali considered Rama's words and realized that he spoke the truth. He bitterly regretted his cruelty to his younger brother, whom he should have treated as a son. He also knew that his action in having stolen his wife was despicable. Oh, Rama, he said, you have spoken rightly. I am not worried about myself. Death is inevitable for all, but I am worried about my son, Angada. Please consider him as your own son and see that he is looked after properly. Please don't let my beloved wife, Tara, be insulted by Sugriva. She is wise and good. I realize I am fated to meet death at your hands, and that is why I refused to listen to her when she urged me to desist from fighting. With his last breath, Vali took off his gold chain, which had miraculous powers, and put it over Sugriva's neck. He begged him to forgive him for all that he had done, and told him to look after Angada as his own son, as well as his beloved wife Tara. Sugriva felt such remorse for his act that he couldn't speak a word. Rama promised to see that Sugriva gave the best treatment to Angada and Tara. Hearing of the tragic end of her husband, Tara now ran to his side, along with her son, Angada. Casting herself over his body, she bewailed his fate. Rama urged her to get up and see to the obsequies, but she refused to budge from the place. Taking up the fatal arrow that had killed her husband, she threatened to plunge it into her own heart and had to be forcibly stopped by her attendants. Hearing her cries and his brother's kind words, Sugriva lost whatever courage he had. He told Rama that he would also immolate himself on his brother's pyre and that Angara could help find Sita. Neither Rama nor anyone else could console him. At last, Hanuman approached Tara and told her in his gentle tones, An embodied soul always reaps the good and evil fruit of his actions done in the past. The body is like a bubble on the water. It might burst at any time and is not worth grieving for. Your duty now is to look after your son, Angada, who is solely dependent on you. It is your responsibility to see that the last rites are done for your husband in the proper manner. There is only one thing you can do for him now. 
Rama spoke sternly to Sugriva and told him that he had done this only at his request, and for him to wash his hands of the whole matter was not a manly thing to do. It was his duty to see to the obsequies of his dear brother rather than opt to perish in the flames. He commanded Sugriva to bring a palanquin and take his brother's body to the riverside. At last Sugriva did as he was bidden. The monkeys brought out the royal hearse, which was like a chariot without wheels. They dressed their dead king in jeweled clothes, placed his body on a bier covered with flowers, placed it on the pyre that had been prepared for him. Angada set fire to it, and all of them offered water and did all the usual rites that had been done for a departed soul. By the law of the jungle, after Wali's death, his killer would automatically become king with the right to kill Wali's children and to claim his wife. However, Rama wanted to make the Vanadas leave their old laws and adopt the law of Dharma, so he told Sugriva to ask the monkeys whether they were agreeable to have him as king. When they agreed, Sugriva asked Tara if she was willing to be his queen. When she agreed, he adopted Vali's son Angada and made him the heir to the throne. Thus did Rama make the monkeys change their ways and follow the rule of righteousness. It was at this time that Hanuman, determined to conquer his animal instincts, took a vow of celibacy and service. By the vow of celibacy, he crushed the desire for sensual pleasures, and by that of service, he trampled the tendency to inflate his ego. After this, Hanuman approached Rama, stood with folded palms, and spoke these words to him. O Lord, by thy grace, this kingdom has now been acquired by Sugriva. Pray enter the palace and crown him king. Rama refused to enter the city, since he said that he had given his word to his father not to enter any city for the duration of fourteen years. However, he gave all instructions as to how Sugriva should be anointed king and how Angada should be crowned as the prince regent. He advised Sugriva on the duties of a good king. Whatever you do, let it be based on the sanctioned codes of good conduct. Never hurt anyone with your words, even if it be an enemy. Sugriva said, I want to serve you. Please command me. Rama said, The rainy season is coming. At the end of it, bring your army and come help me find Sita. Hanuman begged to be allowed to accompany Rama and serve him during the four months of the rainy season. Again, Rama had to decline his offer. Your presence is absolutely necessary for Sugriva. He will need your support and judgment. Come to me after four months, and I'll tell you what you can do for me. He and Lakshmana decided to spend the approaching four months of the monsoons in a cave nearby. At the end of the four months, Sugriva promised to gather all the monkeys and start on the great quest to find Sita. Sugriva duly entered the city in state and was crowned as king with Angada as the crown prince. Tara also drew what comfort she could from the fact that at least her son's well-being was being looked after. Om Shri Hanumantaye Namaha